Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and this is The Checkup. determines your altitude. Isn't that a great notion? Your attitude determines your altitude. And boy, I believe that. I believe I use the term a lot to be elevated, right? An elevated version of ourself because as I elevate in my attitude, then my spirit and my demeanor and my actions are elevated as well. So my attitude, my approach, my perception How I translate things on the inside creates an elevation or rise in my uh, altitude or personal attitude as well. And I love it. And so when when we do this checkup, I'm checking myself out. Part of it is uh, based on the 10th step of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Uh, Continue to take personal inventory And when we were wrong, we promptly admit it. But also, when we're right, we want to celebrate that as well. So I'm continuing to check my attitude to see where I'm at because I know my my attitude will determine uh, my altitude. And, And one of the things this author suggested as well is that I do a checkup from the neck up. Are you ready? You know, because so a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? How we think, what's down in the well, what I think of me comes up in the bucket. It eventually will show itself. So how I control my mind and my thoughts and my perceptions of me and my surroundings determines so much. Today on the checkup is entitled Getting Well from the Inside Out. Of course, Tuesday in the fix and it was really a fix. It was on Kintsugi. And it was the, the title of it, The Art of Becoming Well. And if you haven't listened to Tuesday's podcast yet, would you go back? I think you're going to find it so intriguing as to what Kintsugi is, the Japanese art form of, of, of putting things back together, right? And you see how we formulated that into a message of recovery, a message of hope, uh, a message of, of transformation, a message of synergy that combines various elements to create an even greater object, response, or experience. So today, getting well from the inside out. Now, it has been my experience that all people of recovery, and I'm going to say all, I know that we have to be very careful with absolutes, 
But in my 34-year journey, whether it's a medical model, a court model, DUI classes I used to teach, dual diagnosis um, I used to teach with social model um, and and also uh, residential treatment centers, social model recovery, you name it. I've had experience in my years um, in volunteering and then also as a as a professional counselor to to be able to make this statement. So it's not um, without great consideration that I would use the word all, but it has been my experience that all people of recovery come uh, are, are suffer from the same need of feeling accepted by others as a sign or an indication that they are fine. You with me? You, do you think that's true in your life or as you work with others, their experience as well? Do you think that's true? I know Chris and Mary and Angie and Wendy and, uh, and uh, those of us who have worked directly in the field of recovery and wellness, Scott and Melissa are probably good examples of this as well in their, in their uh, outreach travels. Um, again, we suffer from the same need of feeling accepted by others as a sign or an indication that I'm okay. In other words, I need your permission to tell me I'm okay so I will be okay. But here's the trick on this. It, it, it might mean that it's really what keeps me down because I, if I don't feel that from you, then I need to medicate and or separate because I'm just not going to measure up. We, we have an emotional condition that's likened to what, what is called a love disorder. And if you want to Google that, look up love disorder and you will find some incredible similarities and indicators that are consistent with people who suffer from addiction or behavioral challenges. Whether those behaviors come from a, from a, a, a mental disorder or displacement or imbalance in the brain or, or emotion or it's brought on by an addiction to a substance. It is an emotional condition that years ago by my first sponsor, Max, that he called a love disorder. And it actually controls how we, how we receive, not what we receive. Because what we're receiving usually comes from outside of us. But the how is how that which comes from outside of us determines how we process that. And I know this is true because so many of us had some very sincere and caring people in our journey. And yet, despite how they legitimately cared for us, it did not translate into us understanding the value that we are. Now, many of us were brought up in a very inconsistent and imbalanced home that, uh, as Bradshaw would say in, in the family afterward, would, would talk about homeostasis or a balance or an emotional balance within the home environment. So we all had to take on different roles and different personalities 
to create a semblance of balance within the imbalance. But then many of us, we go out in other relationships in life and we come across some very sincere people in the course of our life dissociated or distant from maybe how we thought we were brought up, right? And now we're faced with healthy people who are trying to encourage us based on what they see and who we are, but we don't know how to receive that. We don't know how to translate that. And because of our foundational love disorder, it's not what they do, it's how we process it or how we receive it. And this is where I must stop focusing on what others think or what they don't think. Because in reality, and this may be true for you, you let me know. You process this yourself. Because this is something you have to own as being who you are or say, this is not me. And if it's not, that's great. I'm not, I'm not trying to find something in you. I'm just trying to expose something that's common, I think, in us. So until I can address the disorder, this disorder in me, I'll never be good enough to measure up. This is where the getting well from the inside out comes into play. What is called an inside out approach. Years ago, again, as many of you know, uh, I'm a big Stephen Covey guy. It's not uncommon for you to hear me say it, but just like as a Christian, I promote the Bible as my source of foundational truth, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, I'll quote Gandhi. Last week, I was quoting Emile Durkheim. Uh, I will quote a number of sources because I want to find relevant truth in how I can associate what they're saying to make it a part of my internal avenue or direction to become whole and to become well and to not be sick anymore and to stay in this path of recovery and and to elevate and to become, again, the best possible version of me because I know the better version of me I am, the more effective I can be for you. One of the things I really appreciate about Stephen Covey is the seven habits of highly effective people. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that was probably came out in 1989, 1990. So we're talking about sourced information. Uh, and even Stephen will tell you that he, he was a student of Richard Deming, D-E-M-I-N-G, who was considered the father of the quality movement. So if you really want to do some research and where this come from, and, and I'm not even sure where Richard got this from, but I know this is where Stephen gets most of it from. So look at Richard Deming, D-E-M-I-N-G. If you really want to know things about the quality movement, and I, and I even love the word quality because I want to be a person of quality. I'm a person of quantity, right? Almost 34 years of personal recovery, the 25th of this month. 
April 25th, 1986 was when I came back into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous after a relapse, and I've been clean and sober ever since. Today is 12,407 days. So so I, I have the quantity, right? No mistaking there. But do I have the quality? And that is why things such as this are so important to me ongoing, right? I never want to rest. I never want to stop. I never want to say that I'm finished because none of us are. It's not like it's not like we're a cake, right? Where I put all the ingredients together, I mix them, I make everything right, I pour it in a pan, I put it into the oven for 25 minutes at 350 degrees, I pull it out, I let it cool, and it's done. No, that's not who we are. We are ongoing. We are never done. That is why recovery is a journey not a destination. And I hope you have found this true for yourself because even though quantity has a quality all of its own, I still want the quality of every day. And that's, this is what this is all about. So, so when, when Stephen talks about his insight and, 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 and I refer to it, there, there's a model, a paradigm modeling that is when Stephen would say, when properly understood and applied, it can help create the what, what he refers to as the mental map. And this mental map is necessary to get us from where we are at, and regardless of where you're at, it will help guide you to wherever you want to go. So the inside-out approach to personal and effectiveness. Now, this is a quote from Stephen himself, and I'll read this to you, and then we'll discuss some points on what I would call the must, M-U-S-T, right, to this whole formula. So I'm going to quote here, the inside-out approach to personal and interpersonal effectiveness means to start first with self, even more fundamentally to start with the most inside part of self. With your paradigms, your character, and I love this next one, your motives. I love this, your motives. Why do I want to get there? What is my end result? Well, if my end result is selflessness and self-centeredness, which is outside of me, which is trying to show something or gain something, that I want that that isn't mine, but puts me before you, then that's really not an inside-out approach. That's an outside-in approach, right? And and I love what Stephen talks about when he when he discusses what he calls the deficiency mentality, right? I don't want to think that I need a bigger piece of the pie in order because that would mean that you won't get a piece of the pie when really the pie is big enough for every one of us. The pie is big enough to encompass and incorporate and feed every person who comes into the rooms of wellness. So we take this inside-out approach to the personal and interpersonal effectiveness. He goes on to say the inside-out approach says that the private victories precede public victories, right? I need to feel good about me first before you can see me feel good about me, right? Arrogance is trying to show you something 
that I want to be or something that I want you to see me as. Confidence is displaying what I become. Do you see the difference? And I think that's what Stephen is saying there. The private victories precede public victories. That making and keeping promises to ourselves precedes making and keeping promises to others. It said, it is futile to put personality ahead of character, to try to improve relationships with others before improving ourselves. Man, does that resonate with you as much as it resonates with me? It's one of the reasons that I don't get tired of being who I am or what you see me or perceive me to be because I am who I am. I don't get tired trying to be someone I'm not, right? This is natural. I've learned how to adopt this and to adapt this and based on the word of God and teachings like um, from Stephen and from Deming and from Zig Ziglar and Napoleon Hill and our friend Tony Robbins and all the sources we have out there help me translate this and understand this in a way from the inside out that helps me be more concerned with my character because my character is going to determine what I do. Does that make sense? And based on my personality, who I really am will determine my character and what I stand for. And based on what I stand for will determine what I do. And based on what I do and those trailing those back will determine how you see me and receive me. How you see me and receive me. All important things along along the way. So how do we accomplish this? How do we take this inside-out approach and, and, and make it our own? And I'm going to put most of this in the description notes because I want you to be able to go back and refer to it. So again, if you're driving or distracted or not able to write things down, now don't worry about it. I, I will do the best I can to incorporate these things so you can download them, print them, refer to him them at a later date. I like to copy these things often to my my notes and my phone. So I have a a constant uh, refresher or resource or referral that I can go back and and see, you know, the things that I've learned and the things that I really need to pay attention to. Because as Tom Hopkins would say, that repetition is the mother of learning, right? And, And everything, as my dear friend Damon Willis taught me years ago, you know, we want to leave everyone better than we found them. And the first way to do that is to become a better version of ourself and applying this inside-out approach that Stephen Covey talks about, a personal and interpersonal effectiveness, and starting with me helps make that happen. So how do we accomplish this, right? And I'm just going to talk to you about some positional things, not so much as the X's and O's, right? Because the X's and O's are something you can go find yourself and what's going to work for you. So I want to talk to you in terms of a framework, a mindset to this whole thing in the few minutes that we have left. So we accomplish this first and foremost 
we must be tired. We must be so tired of who we are and what we're achieving or not achieving that we are willing to implement something new. One of the things that Dr. Cubby, Stephen Cubby talks about is every major scientific breakthrough was a result of a break with. I must break with my thinking that I'm okay, that there's nothing new out there. I must break with that thinking. I must grow tired of that thinking in order to accomplish this. Einstein said, I I can't think my way out of my situation with the thinking that got me into it. I must be tired of my thinking of my way of living enough to say that I need to try something new. In in the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, we, we need to become sick and tired of being sick and tired and and I need to need to um, understand that I'm powerless over that substance, over alcohol, and that my life had become unmanageable. I need to be so tired of that that I find in step one that I'm willing to take step two and move forward. We must understand, here's the second one, we must understand that this approach is not a quick fix. We're not going to get well overnight. This is not a two-minute horse race. When we get done of running, we're done. We're not. This is not a quick fix. We practice, we drill, we rehearse, we make mistakes along the way, we uncover what they are, we correct them, and we move forward. This is, we did not get sick overnight, and we are not going to become well overnight. We did not become broken overnight. We are not going to become whole overnight. We must, and these are musts. If you're not willing to use these as must, if these are negotiated items, you're better off not to do it. We must have accountability. We were so unaccountable because we don't want people to tell us that we need to change because change is something we found near impossible to do and most often painful. We must have accountability. We must remain teachable. I had a dear mentor of mine years ago who would come up to me and say, Robert, are you teachable? He was my accountability. But if I wasn't going to be teachable, why would he want to interject in me something that I needed to learn? We must have accountability. And just like it's not going to be an overnight fix, we need to be patient We need to know that one step at a time, one increment at a time, just like any nutritionist will tell you, be patient over time. You're not going to lose all that weight. You're not going to, you know, turn around that health overnight. This is not a quick fix solution. Not going to knock this out on a weekend and say, guess what? I'm well, right? We're not going to learn the things in a week that might take us a year or two years, but we will be learning along the way. Please be patient. We must be patient. If we're not, we're going to get frustrated. It's going to create anxiety. We're going to need to medicate from that anxiety just to quiet the madness, and we will relapse. So just so you know now, we must be patient. We must be willing 
to share what we have learned and applied or applied and learned. We must be willing to do it for a couple reasons. Number one, people need to benefit by what we have discovered and uncovered. They need to. Sharing is caring, right? The 12-step of recovery. Evangelism will teach you that. Going out any religious denomination or, or approach will tell you to share your faith. What good is faith if we don't share it? Two things occur. Number one, we're giving away what we've been given, right? It's the, it's the reciprocation. Show me a person who doesn't receive, and I'll show you a person who doesn't give, period. So we share it because sharing is caring. And number two, sharing helps me articulate or translate what I'm learning because if you really want to learn something, then teach it. Trust me, as a podcaster, as an author, my greatest time comes from my study of the information I'm going to present. You ask Shane, you ask Jay, you ask anyone out there who's involved in regularly sharing information, they will tell you the real value in sharing is all the study and the learning that we have to go through in order to bring this information to you. And going back to not being a quick fix, that we must be patient, the final thing is we must be committed to lifelong change. We never arrive We're always moving forward. We never get off the journey. This is not a destination. So we must be committed to lifelong change. My friend, um, Debbie, who celebrated uh, 13 years uh, sober this last uh, Tuesday, will tell you the same thing. She was committed one day at a time to changing for the rest of her life. This is a commitment to a lifelong change. Without that lifelong commitment, we're going to stop. We are going to rest on our laurels. For whatever reason, we will view life as flat or downhill, which would give us permission to coast. I don't know about you folks. Well, yeah, I do. Whether or not you will admit it, that's another story. Don't we find life to be uphill, even as pleasurable as my life is? There's always another project. There's always something to do. As I even consider my house and my son Rob and I, this last Sunday, we were we were pulling out shrubs and he had the axe out and we were trimming and we were cutting down bushes and making this one area better. But you know what? I got some other projects to do today to finish that up. And when I get that done, I've got the side of my house, things to take care of. I've got some light fixtures on the front of my house I want to do. You know what, if that's true for the things outside of me, how much more true is that of things inside of me where the real value has to show itself? Does that make sense? I hope that it does. I hope you see that getting well from the inside out is a process that we can all achieve because it's not about what someone did or didn't do. It's about how we perceived it or received it. And based on my personal or interpersonal view of me would determine that. So as I get well from the inside out, as Dr. Covey talks about, 
either what you're saying to me translates and elevates me, or I realize it doesn't have anything to do with me, therefore I can reject it. I hope you find this as a source of recovery, of encouragement, of getting well, one step at a time, one day at a time. We can do this together. Remember, we got sick apart, but we get well together. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Robert, and I am the Recovery Guy. 